but it's an exciting uh, day before VBS. We are ready. Thank you for the uh, countless people who will be involved uh, this week. Uh, thank you, Mandy Forrester and the Forrester family for all of this. Uh, your creativity, uh, obviously, Matt and Katie and Teresa and someone I know well that lives on Love Lane uh, have done a lot uh, to help us. That's Brandy, by the way. Uh, have done a lot to, to make uh, this week happen, but uh, your faithfulness, your generosity, uh, your giving of your time, energy, and effort to, to welcome uh, 400 kids uh, on our campus uh, will be amazing. Uh, I told us the first service, we have about 30% of those kids who have no church home. Uh, and so what, what an opportunity for us to, to bless, encourage, share the gospel with, uh, teach them uh, not just uh, twists and turns, but teach them that God loves them uh, and desires a relationship with them. So we're excited about VBS. If you want to get a t-shirt and join the fun, uh, there's t-shirts for sale in the back. If you want one for your kids, if they're going to be here this week, or you want to wear one because they're just cool, uh, then you need to do that. Get one back there. And uh, I want to say a couple of things before we dive into James chapter 5. I gave him two verses, and he did 10. Um, and so uh, today would be one verse. We, we might be out at, you know, 1140 or 1230. So it depends uh, on how all that goes. But uh, I want to say a couple of things before we dive into that. One, uh, I, I try to share this occasionally when I have an opportunity. Uh, do for the one what you wish you could do for the many. Uh, is a great uh, line. And uh, our very own uh, Pearland High School baseball team uh, was the state runner-up uh, in 6A, and that's a big, big deal. Uh, big deal. And one of our own students, a graduating senior, was on that team, uh, and we'll be playing at Texas A&M next year. We love him anyway. Uh, but... Uh, but he'll be playing baseball at Texas A&M, but, but that's awesome. We have lots of Pearland folks uh, here at the church, and so what a, what a great thing uh, for the school and, and for the district, and, and we're excited about that. I, I do want to tell you that we've got a number of, uh, you're going to hear more about this in a little bit, but lots of baptisms coming up uh, in the next few weeks, and I want you to pray. Uh, pray this week that there will be boys and girls who, who experience the love of Jesus, uh, who believe on his name, and, and go from death to life. They, they would follow after Christ. And once we get the chutes and ladders down, uh, they'll be baptized uh, there and, and celebrate publicly uh, their decision to, to follow Jesus. Uh, this last week, uh, I spent a couple of days uh, in New Orleans uh, because the Southern Baptist Convention uh, was held in New Orleans this year. Uh, that's the gathering of all uh, Southern Baptist churches across the U.S. and the world, really, and it's their annual meeting where they do a lot of preaching and teaching. Uh, they take care of business. They have all kinds of displays and exhibits and kind of stuff. And, and I'm excited to tell you that there, are, there were 79 missionaries uh, commissioned uh, to go to various parts of the world, and two of those people uh, our relatives uh, of church members of ours. Uh, and so that's exciting. It was wonderful to hear their story. Uh, it's a husband and wife team, and they will be going to uh, a part of the world that we can't talk about. Uh, but uh, God is going to be with them and use them in a, in a great way. And so I, I would invite you to pray uh, for uh, all our Southern Baptist 
churches. Uh, there's lots of things. If you, most of you probably don't care a lick about anything beyond what happens here at First Baptist Friendswood, and praise the Lord for that. But there's a lot of things happening in the larger life of Southern Baptists that we need to be praying about as we think about how we work together uh, thousands and thousands of churches. There's there's about 7,000 Baptist churches just in Texas. Uh, we're pretty big, uh, but 50,000 churches. Um, and one of the, I tell people all the time, one of the main reasons I'm a Southern Baptist is because we're an autonomous church. That means we get to make decisions for us. Uh, we make decisions, but we get to partner voluntarily, voluntarily partner together with other churches like Parkway Church, formerly known as First Baptist Pearland, Heritage Park Baptist Church, like Coastal Community Church down in Galveston, like Bay Area Church, like the Heights Baptist uh, in Alvin, and so many others that we get to willingly and voluntarily partner together for the sake of the gospel. Uh, it's the greatest thing in the world. And then as a result of that, how we do missions, uh, how we work together to support 3,500 missionaries uh, across the world. And oh, by the way, our theology is pretty good, I think. Uh, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, but, but pray for, for all of us as churches that we would f continue to find ways to cooperate together so that as, as Christians, uh, we would be people who are known uh, for our commonality, for our common purpose of the gospel, uh, and not for things that really, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter much. And so that's my little PSA, uh, because I went to this big convention uh, where 12,000 other Baptists, boy, that was a thrill in New Orleans, 12,000 Baptists hit New Orleans. This little side note, this is all for free now. Uh, we were in an Uber. Actually, the first time I've ever been in an Uber was this week. Um, I was with a friend. We were going to lunch because it's chaos down there. And he, 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 was, he is not a Christian, but his wife was Christian. She passed away. And he said, you know, everyone has really enjoyed having you here except the bars. <laughs> You win some, you lose some, I guess. Well, let's, uh, let's look at James chapter 5. Uh, speaking of winning some and losing some, James chapter 5. Today we're going to look at a very simple passage. It's one verse, very simple, uh, about saying what you mean and meaning what you say. But as you turn there, uh, I want to give you a quick reminder of history that there's probably in American life, there's one person who has been romanticized, uh, caricaturized uh, in all of American history as the person who, who is a person that doesn't stay true to their word. We even have, we even call someone who's like this by that name. This man was a tremendous military leader. He helped the Continental Army uh, stave off the British um, in Lake Champlain uh, up in New York. And he, he was a, a, a tremendous soldier. He was very stubborn, uh, very strong-willed, uh, wanted his way. And if you disagreed with me, it was bad news. But from 1775, after some of the battles that he experienced, his wife died. 
And so he went back uh, after writing her a number of letters that obviously she didn't respond to. And he takes his three sons and they go to visit the grave. And grief had kind of overwhelmed him. And in that moment, it wasn't just grief, but he also had this sort of greedy side to himself that he wanted to have power and influence. And so after his wife died, he fell in love with a much younger woman. And, and in order for him to, to achieve or to, to get her hand, he had to sort of prove himself to her Philadelphia aristocrat family. And so he spent the next four years from 1775 to 1779 slowly making a change in his life, driven by greed, uh, driven by power, driven by love, that, that he might achieve this status. And in doing so, he began to align himself with people who were still sympathetic to the British throne and against these radicalized patriots of colonists. And over those four years, slowly he turned. And finally, in 1779, he began writing letters to the British government about how he could betray his newfound colonist friends. And that's why today, when you betray someone, when you go against your word, they call you a Benedict Arnold because he betrayed his own people. And so we have a person who we call you, a pseudonym that we call you when you don't do what you say you're going to do. Or you say you're going to do something and you stab someone in the back. And today, this passage, a very strong one, very direct passage, helps us get a little bit of a view of what it means for us to say yes and mean yes and say no and mean no. So look at James 5, 12 with me. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. James is not talking about uh, swearing here in the sense of what we think about of profanity, curse words. No, he's talking about making an oath and using God's name. And you and I need to be very careful because it would be a mistake for you and I to use God's name as a guarantee of our reliability. We should not invoke the name of God as a guarantee for how reliable you are. Because last time I've checked, most of us on our best day, are kind of reliable. On our worst day, unreliable altogether. And we should not invoke either the Lord's name and his holiness and majesty as a guarantee for our selfishness or our individual purpose. No. We need to invoke our own name and Stand on our word. Because you remember last week, we talked about three different characters. The, the farmer, the prophet, uh, and Job, good, our good buddy Job. And how there need to be patience. And we need to have endurance. We need to be steadfast. And James, he's writing here to a group of Christians who are scattered. Most of them are new believers 
who are facing some kind of difficulty. He says, so in those moments when you need to be steadfast, when you've got to exercise patience, when things aren't going exactly your way, make sure you stand on your commitments. But don't swear by the Lord's name. Don't make a commitment based on God's name and his holiness. And oh, by the way, don't swear on your grandmother's grave either. Because we do that. Or pinky promise. Or, you know, cross my heart, hope to die, needle in my eye kind of stuff. Like, that, that, that's not what we should be doing. And that's, the, that's the, sort of the modern version of this. It's about your commitment. The Hebrews of the day, they would say things like, by my life, like I swear on my life. James is saying, no, no. As if, if I swear on my life or I invoke the name of the Lord, somehow the agreement or the commitment is more binding. They would try to raise the level of commitment by invoking some other power, like this mystery needle you have that you're going to poke in your eye. What misery would that be? Why would you do that? I would never commit to that, poke myself in the eye. I don't like needles to begin with. And so let's be careful as we think about how we make commitments and how we look at our own Christian walk. That we don't allow our own frailty as humans to somehow drag down the name of God in those commitments. That we would drag the name of the Lord through our inconsistency. That we would revere him and that we would stand on our commitment. That we would, we would hold high the name of the Lord. That we wouldn't be guilty of invoking his holiness in some frivolous deal that we're making. Because to do so would be a terrible error. Perhaps James is, is thinking about what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5 during the, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Well, he didn't visit the drugstore these days. But needless to say, that's not the point. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. That last phrase is rather disturbing to me. That, that if I do anything else but say yes or no, there's something within me that is wicked and dark that's making those commitments. And so I want to stand as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a, a brother, as James calls. I, I want to stand on that and simply let my, let my yes be yes and my no be no. We've got to be sincere in our commitments Say what you mean and mean what you say. It's pretty simple. God's word is not complicated. We do a lot to try to complicate God's word. Even we look at John 3, 16, which we sang about. It's a very simple 
The, the gospel, the, the, to follow Jesus Christ is very simple. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. It should be as simple as when you say yes or you commit to do something that you do it. Shocker. Like it's not rocket science and we have some rocket scientists in here. Like, and so as I was thinking about this week about what, what does it mean to say yes? I, I use the, the wonders of the web and I just Googled saying yes. Like tons of websites on all the ways we can say yes. They all kind of fell like between 40 and 50 ways to say yes. So let me share some of these ways that you can say yes and mean it. First, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Those are very different. Y-E-P and Y-U-P. Okay. Yep. Yes to drag it out. Totally. Yay, like the Congress votes, the yays have it. Okay. Totes, that's for this group here. Sure. You bet. Okay. K. Okie dokie. All right. Matthew McConaughey, all righty. Sounds good. For sure. Sure thing. Duh. That one got added between services. <laughs> Surely, certainly, I, like in British Parliament, the eyes have it. Not E-Y-E, but A-Y-E. Of course, definitely, uh, one of my son's favorites, indubitably, uh, absolutely, uh, forsooth. If you use that in a sentence, congratulations. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Dripping with sarcasm, but still, yes. Fine. Affirmative. Very well. Obviously. Verily. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All the ways. There are many others I'm confident that we can say yes. But if we say one of those, then we should follow through. We should do it. It was interesting. I typed the same thing in for no's, and a lot of the websites had more than 100 ways to say no. Interesting. 40 to 50 ways to say yes, more than 100 ways to say no, because we like to weasel out of things. <laughs> and we try to find every little soft way to do that, and I'm not going to list those or talk about those because you just need to say, nope. Nope, sorry. No sir, no ma'am. I didn't even list those. Yes sir, yes ma'am. But there's lots of ways to say no. But if we're going to say no, let's mean it. Let's exercise grace and mercy uh, when we make commitments and we do those things. Let's be a person of integrity. Right? That's the, the, the whole point of this, this passage even with the patience and suffering that we talked about last week is I'm going to be a person that models Jesus Christ no matter the situation. When, when I'm enduring hardship and frustration, I'm going to be a person of endurance. I'm going to exercise patience. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And, and when God presents me with a situation where I need to make a commitment or not, then I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to honor the king 
my king. I'm going to honor him by treating you in the right way. By saying yes or no. And remaining true to that commitment. Because there are a lot of ways that we say yes, but we really mean no. When you get that wedding invitation in the mail, there's a little card inside. And these days, that's like a foreign object. Because we don't understand what RSVPing means anymore. We, we've lost that art and science. But there's a little card in there and asks you if you're attending and how many are attending. And amazingly, there's a stamp on the envelope that costs somewhere between 42 and 60 cents, depending on the size of that envelope. And you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll go. And you mail that off. And then the day of, the day before, you're like, eh. I'm not a big fan of the groom. They got that strange aunt that I'll probably get stuck at their table. Eh, we'll just skip this one. In that moment, you've cost that family $200 by your commitment and then betrayal. And we don't think about things like that. But this passage is pretty real world, as real world as it gets. And understanding what it means to be practically a follower of Jesus Christ. What it means practically to be a person of integrity that honors the Lord and honors others. And so if you don't want to go to that wedding, just simply say no and send a $50 gift. Or 40 or 20 or nothing. I don't care. But let your yes be your yes and your no be no. Or maybe as you look at your phone in about 20 minutes, not right now, you see at the bottom, depending on what kind of phone you have, there's a little bubble that indicates how many text messages are unread. If you have less than 10, way to go. If you got more than 10, get to work today, okay? But there's that person that you've kind of left just hanging in limbo, that you've turned off your read receipts and so they're not quite sure if you've gotten it or not. But, but you refuse to answer whatever they're saying. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe you're not a big fan of them. Maybe it doesn't matter to you. Maybe you've got other issues that you're, are going on and you just don't have time to deal with them. Whatever it is, we, we forget that things like this matter. That how I respond to people matters. Whether it's yes or no is irrelevant. But I, I have an opportunity to show them the grace and mercy, the love of Jesus through me by responding and honoring them in whatever way that looks like. Maybe you said yes to a date, and I don't mean June 19th or April 25th, which is the ideal date, according to Miss Congeniality. I know some of you really know that date, so don't act like you don't. But, but maybe you said yes, then you're like, oh no, that's a, I made a bad mistake. And you just cancel. 
your cat's got to have his teeth brushed or something. And we, and we laugh because we're guilty of doing those kinds of things. Or my favorite, because this is one I'm guilty of, is you don't really want to do something, but you say yes, and the whole time you're participating in the activity, all you're doing is complaining, looking at your watch, doing whatever it is to make the person you're with miserable. Because you've said yes, but not really meant it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. It's pretty simple. And what's happened in our world, I believe, is that we've, we've gotten so caught up that, that we don't want to hurt feelings. And so we lack integrity. We, we so don't want to upset the apple cart that we don't tell the truth that we want to make sure that everybody likes us and so we compromise in some way. And I think that's probably the issue facing these early believers at this time is that, that they were probably surrounded by people who were against them at, in some level. In some way, they are in a culture who was anti-Christian and so it was probably easy for them just to sort of skate around the issue, sort of downplay their Christianity, downplay their integrity, downplay that they were followers of Jesus Christ. And so they might have been tempted to, to say things or do things just so they could blend in with the surrounding community and not create too much distinction. You know, the Lord has called us to be very different. Aliens in a strange land. To, to be people who are different, different in a good way so that people see the light and the love of Christ living in and through us. And, and the motivation for this is not just so we can be good people who say good things. That, that's not the motivation. That's not the motivation for James. For James, it's not like, oh, just be a good person and say yes or say no, but when you do, mean it no. His motivation is the coming of the Lord. Look at that last line. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Some versions say judgment, which is probably the better word. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are not condemned. Paul tells us that in Romans. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not condemned. You're set free from sin and death you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to experience him forever. But the reality is all of us will experience some level of judgment when the day, the day we meet our Lord. And so I don't want to do anything. I don't do anything that would cause me to fall under judgment. I want to be blameless as I can be trusting in the power and the might of Jesus Christ. And so our motivation for being people of integrity, being people of honesty, our motivation should be that one day we're going to meet Jesus. That, that's our motivation. Our motivation to be a person of honesty and integrity is that one day I'm going to meet Jesus and stand before him 
and say, Lord, I've done all that I can by faith to live like you. All that I can, by faith. And so I want to be a person who stands before my Savior, trusting that his blood had covered my sin, but that I lived as a person of faith, a person of integrity and honesty. Resisting the challenge to just sort of go along to get along in our world. Because that's the, that's, the, that's the challenge for us is we just sort of blend in. I, my, my favorite phrase, uh, when I was overseas one time uh, in Asia, one of my buddies who was my same height but was much bigger than me, he's as strong as an ox dude, he always wore pink shirts. And so we're in this country where most of the people are shorter than us. Every person was shorter than us. And he's like, hey guys, blend in. <laughs> he's 6'5", 270, like an ox of a man. And there's, you know, skinny David uh, at the time. Uh, and we're like, oh, okay, yes, thank you very much. We'll do that. But that's, that's, that's the same thing here. That's the temptation is for us just to blend in. And just do like everybody else is doing. Not be a person of commitment, not be a person of integrity, not be a person of honesty. To soften our stance on our faith. To fold under the pressure of the world or some relationship that you have or maybe an issue at the office. And that the Lord is very clear to us that we're called as followers of Jesus Christ, to let our yes be yes and our no be no, and to live with grace, and to be people of commitment and follow through. And so my prayer as we move into not just this week of VBS, as we move into the summer when things get a little more relaxed and, and casual, that when you're faced with an opportunity to say yes or no, you'll follow through with whatever that is. You'll be a person of follow-through. Let's be people of integrity. To live differently than the rest of the world. So that we may show others there's a better way. And that way is to follow after Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me?